What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's up, Panther Nation? Welcome to episode 104 of the Four Man Rush podcast. Today we're going to break down the upcoming week six matchup, home game against the Minnesota Vikings. So we'll get right into it this week. Said everything we need to say about you know, yesterday's loss to the Eagles. So let's start looking forward and look at these uh, Vikings. We'll start today with uh, Smooth, whose pops has a, been a diehard Vikings fan for years. So this is a team he's been real familiar with, very familiar with their offensive line, you know, what they've been doing this season, the strengths and weaknesses. So, Smooth, can you kind of give us a breakdown of what kind of team we're looking to face this week, the, the two and three Vikings? Well, offensively, facing a really good team top to bottom. Um, you Most people know about their high-quality receivers and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. And then um, pretty solid quarterback, Kirk Cousins. We all know him. But um, I think the strength of this unit is really just the offensive line. I made deep all across the board, first team and second string. Quite a few players that we were high on that we were hoping to draft. We got guys like Garrett uh, Bradbury, the center out of NC State. He's been one of the best centers in the league since coming in. Um, they're pretty solid on the outside uh, at tackle with Brian O'Neill. I don't know if y'all remember him getting drafted in the second round, but he's one of the more athletic guys in the league. Six seven, ran a four eight forty. You know, so he's he's really good at blocking out in space. Um, one of the games that I did watch was them against the Cardinals, and it's just like when you watch them try to establish their run game, they have a, a purpose. Like they combo block really well. They get to the second level really well. I know Dalvin Cook is a really good, one of the best running backs in the league, but a lot of his success has to do with the fact that he's really getting touched, so he's about three or four yards upfield. So I think what they try to do week in and week out is establish the run game then that opens things up for them to get the, the pass game established. And like I said, they got pretty good weapons on the outside. So offensively, I think we're going to have to, uh, well, for us defensively, we're just going to have to stick to our strengths and try to do something that we haven't really done that well the last couple of weeks, and that stopped, stopped the run game. That's going to be critical this week. I mean, the Dallas, we know we gave up 245 yards. Eagles, we did a little bit better, but I think it was more about Philly not really committing to the run as opposed to us being effective stopping the run because you look at that fourth quarter when Philadelphia pretty much ran the ball at will, whether it was read options with Jalen Hurts for those final two drives where they were able to run the clock out and in the ball with the ball in their hands, being able to convert first downs. I mean, Miles Sanders pretty much gifted us uh, two extra uh, or 40, 80 extra seconds just from running out of bounds. But that didn't matter because they were able to um, seal the edge. You know, guys weren't in their gaps, and they were able to run the ball effectively. That's going to be critical this week because I think they got a good one-two punch at running back with uh, Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I recall, on Saturday, he has an injured ankle. But he was trying to work it out pregame. And I feel like uh, I think after he worked it out pregame, he just didn't feel like he could go full speed. So we'll see if he's going to be able to play against the Panthers this weekend with a weaker rest on that ankle, but when healthy, I mean, you're talking about one of the top five running backs 
in the league, and he would probably be higher than five. I mean, the guy's got vision, great contact balance, explosive, uh, good open field speed. He's a dual threat back as well. Don't underestimate him as a wide receiver. So I think we'll definitely have our hands full with um, containing Dalvin Cook. Last year, I believe he got hurt, actually, against in our game, so he didn't really get to finish it, so we didn't really get to see him for the full four quarters. And then their backup running back, uh, Alexander Madison, just as effective, you know, replacing Dalvin Cook. So establishing the run, I think, is something Minnesota will try to do against us this week. As far as, uh, let's get back to their offensive line a little bit. I know uh, Kev and Smooth, we'll start with uh, Kev. Garrett Bradbury was a guy you guys have scouted two years ago, the center out of NC State, a guy we possibly were going to take in the first or second round. You know, can you tell us a little bit about what made you so high on Garrett Bradbury? Yeah, well, <clears throat> excuse me. So for me, um, Big Smooth was the one that, you know, was putting me on to Bradbury and let me know as a player up the road, up the road in, um, in Raleigh that, you know, it was going to, going to be a good going to be a really good when he go to the league so that was the first time i ever heard of uh gab bradbury so when i finally got a chance to watch him myself immediately what sticks sticks out on on the film with him is the fact that you know he plays with control and poise like rarely ha did i see him like get to where he's in a bad position um you know being center you know one of the instances the thing is you got to you know, be able to handle the line calls, the shifts and everything. Uh, but with with him, um, I like the fact that when he fires off on a ball, um, particularly in run plays, uh, he, he has the ability to just really explode and to really get movement on the def on the, the opposing defender in front of him. Uh, he's one of the few centers I've seen actually get to the second level um, with ease as well. So he's definitely someone that's going to definitely challenge our defensive tackles, whether we're in a 30 front or a 40 front. Um, when it comes to pass blocking, um, you know, again, he's he's always looking for work. I've seen him uh, a few times, like, pull a little bit and, and, you know, help out on certain, not too often, but just show his flexibility, you know, kind of pull as a center and, and you know, to provide, you know, extra blocking. Um, but primarily when it's in a pass blocking set, uh, I just think Garrett Bradbury is just, like I said, like Smooth said, a top five uh, center in this league, and I, and I think that you know he's a uh, he's a player that that owns the offensive line. Um, everybody gets their cue from him. Um, he's he's going to give Derek Brown and uh, Daquan Jones and Brayvon Roy and anyone else that lines up in the in the A gap, um, zero technique, one technique, possibly even two. The two technique, two eye. I mean, anyone that's lining up with anywhere in his grabs is definitely, um, definitely going to fill him. Uh, but I think uh, Bradbury is definitely um, one of the top centers. I, I would say, and Smooth, you can confirm that he could probably go right after uh, your number one rack now. Would you would you say Bradbury would probably be number two? Um, it's arguable. He's top five. Still got a lot of good centers in the league. Um. Just Part like young centers, though, like the new, yeah, the new young guys, yeah, he's definitely up echelon, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, honestly, he would have fit everything that we that we preach, you know, we like athletic guys. He was also a 4840 running guy that can pull on screens, mm -hmm. had uh, really good bench press reps. Like, he just uh, he reminds me a lot of Matt, I mean, not Matt, uh, Ryan Kalu, in the sense that he's a little bit undersized, but because he's able to use 
sound technique, he's able to be effective in pretty much every aspect of the game, whether it's run blocking, pass blocking, pulling. Very, very smart. So sending out those line calls, it's just everything that you look for in the center, he has. I don't really see a lot of flaws. Hey, look at the uh, depth of the offensive line as well. I mean, two more guys that um, we were high on coming out. So it's like the continuing to um, build a deep offensive line because, you know, in our, using ourselves as an example, guys get hurt often. So you always need guys that can step in and play right away. I'm looking at uh, all three, really, Mason Cole, Wyatt Davis, and Christian Darisov. So, I mean, Smooth, what you think of those three guys as far as their O-line depth goes? They were all on my board. I would have took Wyatt Davis over Tommy Tremble any day of the week. Uh, Christian Darisaw, it was some things about his game I didn't like as far as just being consistent with his leverage. But still, every flaw that he has is fixable. The upside is incredible. So I think he getting selected where he got picked at was a pretty good value for them. As well as um, if you just look at this entire unit, first string, second team, second string, they're all second and first round picks for the most part, except for a couple of guys. I think they left tackle with some undrafted guy. We should be able to take advantage of him because he hasn't been very good this year. I think his name is Rashad Hill. But outside of that, they like you said, just they did they they do what we want to do. They actually invest in the offensive line early. They look for blue chip guys year in and year out. And this shows because they always have one of the best run games in the league. And Kirk Cousins really always has a lot of time to throw the ball. That's why that offense is so explosive. We can't make any complaints about that Minnesota Vikings offense. Like it's just a it's one of the best offenses in the league, and it starts in the trenches. Getting back to that uh, Kirk Cousins and what we know from him. I mean, last year, I mean, he was had him pretty contained for three quarters, but then that game-winning drive looked like he just couldn't miss completed certain consecutive passes had that comeback from behind victory against the Panthers. And I think Kirk Cousins has become a little bit underrated because he just hasn't been able to have that kind of playoff success and get, you know, get them over the top. But still, I think, you know, probably, I mean, I think 20, 25 teams in this league would like to have Kirk Cousins as their quarterback. Maybe not 25. I'll say maybe at least 20 teams would probably, you know, trade their quarterback right now to have Kirk Cousins. I mean, he's efficient, doesn't turn the ball over a lot. He's smart. Accurate, you know, he is productive every year. You look at his numbers. I mean, year in and year out, he's one of the most consistent performers that they have. And I think what helps them out as long as as well as their offensive line is the weapons that they surround them with. You know, they traded, they made the Stefan Diggs trade, but then they replenished that wide receiver room with Justin Jefferson, one of the best uh, route runners, young route runners in this league right now. I mean, you know, one on one, you know, he can run every, you can run the route tree, gets a lot of separation. No man coverage, you know, he'll get away from you, zone coverage. He does a good job finding soft spots there. He's great after the catch, you know, very, you know, fast, explosive, great athlete. So he's definitely a guy we got to keep accounting for this week. I think as good as Dante Jackson's playing, this probably be one of his bigger challenges he's seen so far this season. And then Adam Thielen, you know, he's getting up there in age a bit, but still very effective, you know, underrated route runner, sneaky athletic guy, uh, great hands and another consistently produces year in and year out. And they just surrounded them with guys, you know, K.J. Osborne, D.D. Westbrook. So I think they also have a pretty sound wide receiver room. So, I mean, look at this offense. I mean, it's pretty solid. I think they're a lot better than their two and three record shows. Um, still early in the season. I don't. I think this is definitely a team we can't really take for granted despite their losing record. So 
with all that said, you know, what do you think the keys to victory for our defense is this week? And then we know Phil Snow kind of likes to play the soft boxes, play a lot of nickel package and defend in the past. You think this week we should be more of a focused on stopping the run and, you know, forcing Kirk Cousins to throw the ball 30 to 40 times? What do you think of that, Smooth? Definitely, because with all of those weapons, you know, they got an old school coach. <laughs> Mike Zimmer, I don't know if y'all remember, but he fired guys because they were he fired offensive coordinators for not running the ball. So he they want to run the ball. That's always gonna be number one on their priority list every single game. They're gonna try to get the run game established, regardless of who's back there. So we gotta make sure we make them one dimensional and shut that down. That's the only way we really have a chance. Cause if you close your eyes and you mess up a couple of times. They hanging 30, 40 points in your head easy. It's just, it's that type of offense. It's explosive in all levels. So passing, running, we got to shut down something. Got to make them one-dimensional. That's going to be the key to victory. Definitely. I think, you know, we got those uh, cornerback room full. You know, we got Dante, A.J. Boye played well, C.J. Henderson starting to get more and more reps. This may be a, a week where we go single high safety, play a lot more man coverage and put that extra guy in the box to try to – um, stop the run. Because, I mean, once Dalvin Cook gets um, going, I mean, that's the thing when their offense is at their best, when they can stay balanced, you know, get the run game going, get the play action going, and they got good weapons on the outside that can generate those explosive plays downfield. So, uh, Kev, what do you think about personnel packages this week? So we saw against Dallas, Phil Snow came out in a lot of 4-2-5 nickel looks. Wasn't really the best front to face against Dallas playing that heavy 12 personnel. So we're kind of oversized and outmatched and out-schemed in defending the run against them. You think we need to try to play more base defense this week or stick with the nickel packages that we've been playing more often the last couple of weeks? <clears throat> um, for me, I think that the, with the type of offensive line they got, I think that Minnesota may try to mimic a lot more of what Dallas did with us. You know, like you know, Big Smooth said, you know, in his introduction here, you know, they do a great job of double teaming um, and getting off to the next level, which is basically what Dallas did to us, double teaming our defensive tackles, getting the mood off the line and sliding off to our linebackers to create the lanes for their running backs. Um, you know, and and one of the successes of winning on the road is to come in with a, uh, a strong running game so that, you know, your quarterback isn't uh, forced to uh, have to throw the ball 30 or 40 times. So you know, for me, I like to see I like to see us play a lot more base. And I think this time around, you know, instead of playing the four two five nickel, um, you know, I like to see, you know, more traditional four three um style to just have some more meat up front to attack because when we're the way we've been playing our, our three four and a lot of the three oh three fronts where we're trying to, you know, free up our linebackers, I think that <clears throat> excuse me, I think that with the Ability to double team and get out to the next level, the way that uh, Minnesota can can emulate the uh, what the Cowboys did. I think that's what created a lot of those lanes was those isolation runs off guard, you know, those off tackle runs. Um, so I just think that having four down linemen um, and three linebackers whenever they come out in base personnel. Now, how much base personnel they run, I'm not too sure because I see that. You know, on the depth chart, they seem to be an 11 personnel team. But again, NFL is a copycat lead. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them come out with uh, two tight ends. Um, I see they got a fullback here, CJ Ham. So 
Um, you know, for me, I'm regard not to negate their offensive firepower in the passing game, but uh, for me, we got to we got to shut it down because I feel like we're a lot more talented to handle their wide receivers with our secondary uh, than we are to just allow them to just uh, run it down our throats. Uh, so that's the type of uh, personnel package that I like to see us do is uh, definitely more um, 40 front um, with our base packages to uh, make sure we, you know, try to discourage them from running the ball on us. Yeah, and you're looking up this website, Sharp Football Stats, a very good website where you can get a lot of analytics on the types of personnel packages teams run. Vikings are in 11 personnel 50% of the time. They're in 12 personnel about 12% of the time. And they also use a lot of uh, 21 personnel as well, probably more in the red zone. 22, you see a lot of, and you see a lot of um, empty as well. So they're very balanced offense. So they're going to throw a lot of things at us. So I think we're just going to have to be flexible. And I think the key, I think, you know, Phil Snow likes to make them adjust to what we do. So I think if you can get them behind the sticks and force them into those passing situations, you'll probably see him stay in the nickel packages that he likes to be in. But if we let them dictate and control, I think that's the point where you have to adjust and be more aware of that uh, run game that the Vikings have. So when I look at their um, receivers, you got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, uh, KJ Osborne, three very capable wideouts. How do you like our secondary matchup? I know Dante Jackson's having a career year. He almost single-handedly put the team on his back and won it by himself this uh, past week. I mean, we're working C.J. Henderson in there slowly. I thought A.J. Bouye uh, played extremely well uh, this past week, particularly against the Eagles' screen game. I know they came out looking to try to throw those quick screens. I thought Bouye did a good job playing downhill, making a tackle, and sniffing those out. How confident are you that these guys can follow up their good performance last week against Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, Smooth? I mean, <clears throat> hate to be biased, but I'll take RDB room against anybody. You know, <laughs> clearly we've invested in that group. So cornerback, you know, we shouldn't have any issues with anybody. They're going to get theirs. They're, they're great football players. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, they're going to they're gonna get theirs. But even, even Thielen just had a quiet week like uh, yesterday. So, you know, it's not impossible to shut this receiver group down. It's just it's not. And we have the talent to do it from top to bottom. That's how I feel. I was really impressed with AJ. I think he's going to carry that momentum into this week. You know, you think about it, J.C. Horn is hurt. You haven't gotten Gilmore in the field yet. But if you just look at Dante Jackson and A.J. Bouye, that's a formidable group. Am I right or wrong? You know, a lot of teams will take that as a starting group. So I don't think we were, we're going to be weak in the secondary. One thing I wanted to add from the last point, though, is what Minnesota does like to do is because of the type of dynamic back that that uh, Dalvin Cook is, instead of just loading up with double tight or extra tight ends and stuff like that, they actually want you to respect their receivers. So they play a lot of spread stuff, and they'll just run, you know, with a spread formation and just, and just rely on those five guys up front to make holes for them. So they like to spread you out and still run the ball. So you, you got to expect them to run from damn near any personnel group. That's what they just like to do. You know, giving that man space actually is a benefit to how they get things done on the ground. That's a good point as well. I think spreading them out prevents defenses from loading the box. And that's going to just give Davin Hill that much more space to operate in the run game. So 
force you to play nickel, put smaller players on the field, trust your offensive line to move guys off the ball. And that's how you create that space in those running lanes for um, Dalvin Cook. So I just think gap control, I think, is going to be key this week. I thought Derek Brown had one of his better games of the season this past week against the Eagles. We need him to step up big this week. I think we just have to be better on the edge. Uh, I think that's kind of been where our weaknesses are in the run game. I thought Dallas hit us with a lot of off-tackle runs and Philadelphia, more of a uh, read option type stuff they were doing. But even on their normal run schemes, they were getting us outside, sealing the edge, and guys weren't being disciplined with contained responsibility. So gap discipline is definitely going to be another key for our defense to stop this Vikings run game as well. Now, on the passing side, you know, they have shown some little weakness in pass protection. I mean, you look at the pressure rates for quarterbacks. You know, we talk about how Sam Darnold is always under duress, but Kirk Cousins' pressure rate is at 23.5%, which is right in line with Sam Darnold. So he's under pressure, a similar amount of dropbacks as Sam Darnold has been all year. So there'll be some opportunities to probably take advantage of to get after Kirk Cousins a bit this week. So what do you think about our matchup of our edge rushers against these tackles, Kev? Um, like I said, depending on what front we use, 40 or 30, I, uh, you know, like Big Smooth said, I, I tend to be biased. I, I, I like I like to think that Brian Burns would like to redeem himself. You know, Brian Burns was basically a, a non-factor this past game uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles. And this was a team, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and Smooth, you, Big Smooth, you can verify from it, weren't both their starting tackles out. I know Lane Johnson was out, but wasn't there um, – there, I think uh, Andre Dillard started, who's coming as a backup. Um, he, and, he brought in Andre Dillard. He didn't give up a single pressure. Pitt, what's that? Right. So, you know, there that is. So, you know, Brian Burns only had like two tackles. Uh, I think he I, he had a tackle for loss, uh, but, you know, he didn't have any of the um, pass, you know, disruption. Now, a lot of that had to do with, you know, Hurts throwing those quick screens, you know, out into the flats to wide receivers and running backs. Um, pretty much for a majority of the game until late in the fourth quarter. But, um, um, you know, I don't know how much RPO type stuff they do with the Kirk Cousins because I noticed that with the Eagles, with the way they start getting us because the way Hassan Reddick was, you know, coming in hard after the running back, that's what they pulled out and did. Now, you know, I've seen Kirk Cousins, you know, use his legs some, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's something they will really employ on the hair rate, they might do it one or two times to catch off guard, but, um, but yeah, I I, I like I, I like to take our edges uh, against them. Now, Utah Gross models came back, got about 18 snaps coming off of, you know, his ankle injury. I like to see him more. I think that when we play a 40 front, I like him better as the 4-3 defensive end than I would a Hassan Reddick. Um, I think this would be a game that we, we need to have a nice rotation along the edge uh, you know you know to keep to keep the pressure prying so you know see more you know Marquise Haynes you know see more Morgan Fox um, as well uh, I just think that we just got to throw bodies fresh bodies at this uh, Vikings offensive line because as you mentioned 23 percent pressure rate so um, you know we can generate the kind of disarray that our own quarterback go through on on Kirk Cousins. I mean, hey, we've we've seen Kirk Cousins, you know what I'm saying, fuck it up too, you know, and give out gifts and everything. So um I, I, I tend to I tend to want to favor us on the um our edge versus their um tackles in this matchup. 
Yeah, just for get an idea, kind of pass plays they run. They've only run two. Because this isn't the most mobile quarterback, so they're not really an RPO, you know, read option type team. You know, who's going to really respect, you know, that type of plays from Cousins. But they do run play action a good amount. He's thrown 28 play action passes uh, this year. So, you know, I think it's more – but it's primarily a drop-back pass offense. You know, Cousins will drop back three, five, seven-step drops. He hangs in the pocket. I think he's improved that aspect of his game, you know, moving around in the pocket, having good awareness there. He's going to get the ball out uh, quick. And I think that's where that uh, talented receiving group, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and uh, K.J. Osborne come into play. So getting after him, forcing the uh, quick throws, and I think that's going to be the key to stopping him uh, this week. So I guess with as far as, you know, overall, looking from globally, what do you think the three keys to victory uh, for our defense this week are against the Vikings offense? Uh, start with you, Kev. Um. But the keys for me are pretty much similar to what it was this past week. Number one, um, you know, maintain our, our gap integrity on on run plays, you know, not getting stuck on blocks, not getting uh, moved out of the way, as I stated, you know, with, uh, you know, with Ratberry at center and, um, you know, with, you know, leading their offensive line, I, I really think that um, they can really emulate a lot of the same blocking schemes that gave us so much uh, gave us so much havoc and stress in Dallas. So we really got to be, uh, really got to be careful about that. Uh, number two, I think that uh, we need to get back to what we do best and putting our stamp on it. And that's uh, applying pressure, um, disrupting the quarterback, um, getting them off rhythm, off target. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, Kirk Cousin has been good, but we've also seen him have stretches where, um, you know, he's looked you know, below average, you know, for extended periods of time. Um, so I think we need to take advantage of that. And number three, uh, we just got to keep creating turnovers. You know, we had two interceptions. Uh, we got a safety, which should have been a touchdown, but that's neither here or there. Uh, I just think that we just got to, um, you know, find ways to, you know, create an extra, uh, you know, three or four possessions for us by, um, you know, getting after the ball. Um, and when whenever the uh, ball carriers do have it. Okay, so that pretty much covers the Vikings offense. Look at the um, other side of the ball. And look at what they're bringing to the table on uh, defense. You got two veteran edge rushers, been very good players in this league for a long time, Daniil Hunter, uh, Everson Griffin. Uh, they got pretty solid uh, defensive tackle core as well with uh, Dalvin Tomlinson and Sheldon Richardson. So you got a veteran D-line unit that's coming to town. We got Steven Weatherly you know, as a backup. But, you know, I mean, as a backup rotational player, that's what – Weatherly is. I think Matt Rule and our staff had him come in here and try to make him a starter, thinking he could replicate what he did as a backup and double that production, whether he was starting with more reps. That's just not who he is. I think he's just much more effective and comfortable being a rotational player coming in, you know, giving, letting Daniil Hunter, Everson Griffin get some Gatorade and get his cardio in. So, so Smooth, what do you think of this uh, defensive line unit and how is our struggling offensive line going to keep these guys contained? Well, on, uh, on paper, it's a really respectable unit. You mentioned today the guys' names. You mentioned their pedigree. But when I view this defense as a whole, it reminds me a lot of 2018-2019 Panthers where you got a lot of big-name veterans, but I think that window of opportunity to win is past them. I think that's why when you look at their record, you see two and three. 
A lot of that has to do with they're in shootouts. They had a shootout with Arizona, came down to their, their kicker missing a field goal. Their defense can't stop anybody. Not to say that we're going to come out and score 40 because we have our own issues on offense, particularly with the most important part, offensive line play. But if we can find a way, I don't I don't know how you would do it, but if we can find a way to get some production out of our offensive line unit, we should be able to score a lot of points against this, against this team. And we got to start taking advantage of opportunities as well. A lot of times we have opportunities to go down the field and score, and we don't, you know, turn the ball over, stuff like that, giving up sacks. So I think the key, you know, against this defense is they're not nothing to fear at all. You shouldn't have to fear them. But they got a lot of respectable guys. You know, Eric Kendrick's still very respectable. Harrison Smith's still very respectable in the secondary. But I think that window of opportunity is closed for them. And they got a lot of young guys in the secondary, very young corners that we should be able to take advantage of, particularly with DJ Moore and, uh, and Robbie Anderson. They both should have productive days because those young corners have been getting exposed for like the last year and a half. Hey, look at the defense overall stats. They're 19th in yards. But they're ninth in points. Messed with Mike Zimmer. Defense, they bend a little bit. They want to buckle down in the red zone, but they haven't done that effectively this year. I mean, they're giving up touchdowns on 75% of red zone trips, which you don't really see from a, a Mike Zimmer defense. So, uh, Kev, how do you like how our offensive line uh, matches up against this veteran uh, Vikings uh, D-line? I mean, oh, we've kind of been playing musical chairs at tackle past couple weeks. You got Brady Christensen, Taylor Moten going against, you know, savvy vets to Neil Hunter and Everson Griffin. I mean, like Smooth said, it's not 2017. I mean, when these guys were just an unstoppable duo, but, you know, they're still a respectable uh, force. You know, how do you think our tackles will match up against these guys? However, we roll them out. <laughs> well, personally, I hope we put um, Taylor Moten back at his spot. He looked real uncomfortable playing left tackle to me. You know, pretty much, you know, the first half of the game, I I'll be honest with you, fellas, I, I was specifically just kept my eyes going back and forth between uh, Christensen and, um, and Moten just to see how they play. Um, you know, excuse me if I say it wrong, Big Smooth, but Moten was showing a lot of right tackle tendencies at left tackle when I was watching him play, particularly came with his footwork, his movement. Uh, you could just tell that he's just so used to the right side. Um, to me, he just looked really uncomfortable out there. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I hope I hope that we, you know, move him back to right, but you know, they decide to trot this out again. Um, you know, despite what PFF gave them, I think they graded both Christian and Moten really high. Uh, I don't know what Big Smooth and came out with his grades yet or not, but um, they made some plays. But overall, I, I, I saw giving up way too much ground too quick for my personal liking. Um, again, I just feel like if Christensen, if we're going to play him, let him play his natural at left tackle. Let Moten play his natural at right tackle. I mean, at this point, you know, what it's, what else could it hurt? How much more worse could we be at pass blocking than, you know, it is right now? If nothing else, at least at least get these guys a chance to feel comfortable and try to, you know, build up and, you know, slowly, you know, improve their their uh, abilities here. Um, but, uh, you know, even though the um, Griffin and Hunter are, quote, long in the tooth, I think that they're still more than capable and talented enough to um, disrupt because I just honestly, I just haven't seen enough consistency from our tackles. I mean, even though Moten's our quote, you know, leader and franchise lineman, um, I just haven't seen enough dominance for consistent long periods of time 
uh, pass blocking off the edge to to really feel like um, that they're going to, you know, put up a standout performance. Now, we look at our offensive line struggles the past couple of weeks. Teams are hitting us with these twist stunts, and it looks like, are we getting beat up front because of being out physical and just beat losing one-on-ones, or is it more due to miscommunications and not communicating on these twist stunts? How do, what do you see in that, Smooth? Both. <laughs> Both. We, we're not athletic enough and definitely not communicating well because I reason I said it is I've seen a twist stunt and Brady Christensen committed to his block and still got beat. So it's like... <laughs> It's not as bad as it was last year when Chris Reed could never pick up a stunt. I mean, guys are picking him up, but we just, we don't have it. It's not too much good I can say about this unit, guys. I'm sorry for being pessimistic, but nobody's really impressing me. Honestly, the best, the best offensive, the most consistent offensive lineman on our team right now to me is Matt Paradis. Because Dennis Daly took a step back this week. So, you know, it's just every week somebody's, excuse my French, but somebody's fucking up every week. Every week is somebody different. We can't collectively, as a unit, go out and put a top-notch performance together. Why that is, I don't know. Things got something to do with the musical chairs. You know, just let guys play where they're comfortable at. You seen I posted on Twitter, Taylor Moten has played 98% of his career on the right side of the line, whether it was guard or tackle. <laughs> I've never seen Brady Christensen play anything else besides left tackle. So you come out there on Sunday with them in opposite spots and expect to have success. I mean, I really wasn't surprised by the performance. So sorry to answer your question about the twists and snuts and stuff like that. Communication is fine. I believe in Matt Paradis. I think he gives out the right calls. Guys just aren't executed. And you look at this Vikings front. I mean, Daniil Hunter through, uh, what we played, five games now. I mean, he has six sacks, 10 quarterback hits. Everson Griffin, four sacks. Uh, six quarterback hits. They so they're getting to the passer as a unit. They got 17 sacks, 26 quarterback hits. So, I mean, they, guys have been a productive in the pass rush, even though they had that slip up against the Arizona Cardinals. I guess Kyler Murray, I mean, trying to get after him is a challenge in itself. But, I mean, the last couple of weeks, I think they played the Detroit Lions. I mean, it was a 19-17 ball game. So, you know, I think they come along a little bit still being uh, productive at the defensive end position, even after all these years in the league. Let's talk about the interior uh, O-line a little bit. I know Daly kind of ended his streak of two consecutive games where he was playing well. Uh, Paradis, I mean, he's been relatively consistent. I'll call him in the good enough category, but still possibly upgraded that position down the road if we need to. And then John Miller, I don't know if it's the injury or what, but he's just been having probably the worst season I've seen since he's been in this league. What are your uh, thoughts on the interior O-line so far, Kev? What are the problems you see there? Um, well, the problems I'm seeing is that, um, you know, we're just getting bullied up front. Um, I, you know, when you talk about John Miller, I mean, with him, he either, he showed moments where he dominates and then he showed moments where he gets dominated. And I, you know, God help when he's trying to go out on screen passes, like I rarely see him, you know, connect to get a chance. Like when you get a chance to put one of these little small DBs on their ass and you keep missing, like um I I don't know, it's just it's just 
just kind of mind-blogging, but, you know, this is why he's a career journeyman. This is why he can only get one year at a time. I mean, you're, you know, you, you see him play well enough to think, okay, he can, you know, be solid and effective, but then he just has those stretches where he just, you know, but like you said, that could definitely, you know, apply to, you know, him being injured as well. Uh, with Paradis, you know, he'll have this occasional moment where he, you know, does a what-the-fuck moment, but generally overall, um, he's been – He's been a C plus B minus type of player for us. Um, you know, just you know, just just steady. Um, like I said, there's definitely room to grow, definitely room to improve. But um, I've seen him, you know, pick up two blocks on a certain play. Um, I've seen him, you know, get some, you know, a couple of pancakes here and there. So I, I definitely think that Paradis is, after Moten, is probably our most consistent. Uh, consistent player and and then with the um like i said with dennis daly i'm i'm just <laughs> you know for him to revert back after two you know like i said solid games uh like big smooth said man it's just like you know it's every week is somebody else so it makes me nervous damn it's just gonna be a week where paradise fuck up um does does moton have another bad game like he did in dallas um I don't know, man. Um, it, 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 I just, I just really hope that, you know, whatever we're doing in practice is just going to eventually translate over uh, to the game because I can't. They, they, they're not coaching what we're seeing on the field um, come Sundays. I, I think that we got too good of an offensive line coach, um, coaches. Um, so, w whatever it is that when we finally get on the field and get with these players and, you know, realize what it is that it is. I, I think we practice against a, a damn good defensive front and practice during the week going against a Derrick Brown or Daquan Jones. So uh, whatever the disconnect is, I, I'm just hoping that we eventually get it figured out. You know, <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't want to sound like a pessimist again, but, you know, you talked about, we talked about Daniel Hunter. We talked to Neil Hunter. I'm sorry. We talked about Everson Griffin. But the strength of their defensive line is the interior. I don't know if y'all know, but Dalvin Thomason is one of the best three techs in the league. Um, they also got another guy named Michael Pierce. He's 340 pounds. So we, we talk every week about <laughs> Paradise not being able to get movement. It's not going to get easier this week. The strength of their defensive line is their, their interior. So between um, Thomason making plays, he makes a lot of plays in the backfield. And having a 340-pound immovable object like Michael Pierce, that's where it all starts. So the fact that the, the true weakness of our offensive line is the interior, and we face one of the best interiors in the league, you know, doing the numbers, it's just not looking too good for us. So somehow, some way, we got to coach around that. Like, so these guys got to find it somewhere. We got to find success somewhere. But it's not getting easier this week. That's all I'm saying. It's, it's, it's not going to get any easier. We're playing one of the best units out there. Now, in his interview today, I know uh, Vasti Hurt from Carolina Blitz asked Matt Rule about Deontay Brown's progress. He said he was started the senior bowl. He was about 360 pounds, got down to about 340, and then Rule just referenced that he's doing a good job losing weight. He um, finally made the active roster for the first time, so he had to dress for his first game against Philadelphia. And he's just going to start, you know, now he's going to be focusing on trying to earn reps and get in that rotation. I know Smooth has spoke on this 
a lot. Do you think Deontay Brown will be an upgrade over John Miller, or you think this should be a redshirt year for him, considering he spent so much time in his offseason just trying to get focused on getting his weight down as opposed to strength and conditioning, footwork, and those things, types of things? I think he's a complete liability in, in past sense. So I think he'll need a, the offseason just to improve, improve, him, improve himself as a player when it just comes to protecting the quarterback. Run game-wise, yeah, he would help us a lot right now. Right now, he could come in and move guys off the ball. That's our biggest issue. We don't move guys off the ball at all. We don't get any kind of push up front. So you can tell me you can put Deontay Brown in maybe at a swing tackle or something just to get some movement. I'll take it any day of the week. Any day of the week, I would take it. That's where I like most about him is he's extremely effective in establishing run dominance. And we don't have that right now. So, yes, as far as the run game, he would be an upgrade from John Miller. To be honest, I wouldn't mind a, a, us leaning heavily on a run game if we had one because Sam Brown has been making a lot of mistakes. So I think we got to try to try to take some pressure off him somehow. So definitely, if you got a guy on the bench that can come help you get the run game established, bring him in. Yeah, we still have to have an update on Christian McCaffrey's status as of this recording, but that'll be a big addition to the offense if he's able to play uh, this Sunday. Kev, as far as our offensive line going up against this Vikings front four, do you think we're putting out our best combination alignment that we can possibly have, or is there some type of unit you think we can do some shuffling around and at least be able to put a serviceable unit together to get us through this season and maybe look to upgrade once we finish the year and start to head into the draft and free agency? <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, I hate to be so pessimistic. That's like asking me, you know, what color shit is the least one I want to hold? I mean, <laughs> damn, like, it's just, it's just really that bad, man. Like, um, best, you know, for me moving forward, like I say, these young guys, uh, like I say, just leave Moten at right tackle. Uh, man, um, Mitch, leaving Mill at right guard. I mean, hey, it's 50-50, you know, maybe we get nine good games in games that we win and eight bad games we won't. I mean, it's really like he really does put on a night and day effort, you know, with him. It's just hard to really speculate. Um, obviously, you know, Paradis uh, is our only option at center because I definitely don't want to see no Tecklenburg, you know, come in. Um, as far as left guard goes, Man, it's pretty much Dennis Daly and John Middle pretty much the same. You know, you'll you'll see two stretches and then you'll get a game like what the fuck. So it's it's just really <laughs> it's just really uh just hard. And and to be honest, um, in spite of how critical uh I was about the left tackle play over Brady Christian, but I'm too much at the point where um I rather I rather take my lumps with him getting experience at a position he's comfortable with than to keep playing this positionless football on the offensive line. Um, I just think the offensive line, when it comes to your starters, uh, it, this, you know, ability to have this flexibility that Matt Rule speaks of when it comes to your starters, uh, I'm really not, not, not being a big fan of it. Now, as far as your depth and rotational players, because you only have so many, um, you know, on Sunday, yes, you know, they had to play most positions, but, you know, let my left tackle, his strength be playing left tackle. Um, 
you know, again, you know, drafting a left tackle and got him playing right guard or right side of the ball, it's just, it's just mind-numbing to me. I, I just really think that the way that Matt Rule and Scott Fitter handled this offense line, when they look back at the season and think of the what else, especially if we end up missing out or, or, or whatever or not having the success we have, they're going to look back at the decision they made at the offensive line as being like, yo, that's where we fucked up at. That's, you know, the, what it, whatever our thought process was, looking at offensive linemen and what it put on the field, I, I'd be hard-pressed to think that they, when they watch the film and have any more, any less disgust than what we as, you know, we as uh, fans have watching this offensive line play. Again, I know there may be good stretches that don't get mentioned. You know, you was talking about earlier, Will, how, you know, Donald, you know, what's frustrating about Donald is when you have a clean pocket, he's not connecting. Um, but how often are these clean pockets having, you know, with the, um, you know, with the pressure rate? You know, I think I shared something on our Facebook page showing that um, for the second time since 2018, um, the Eagles had, you know, over, I think it was four different players with over six quarterback pressures. Like our offensive line is allowing pressure rates to happen at a, at a, at a, a record performing pace. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, it's just a hope and pray situation at this point because, uh, you know, because Deontay Brown's not ready and I, and I'd rather think of put him, save him for long term than to try to ruin him or get him overexposed or possibly hurt because he's not ready. Like you said, uh, focus on, you know, conditioning and things like that. Um, we just got to hope it eventually works out with what we got and try to scheme around the best we can. You know, I would probably throw Trent Scott at guard over John Miller at this point. <laughs> Since we're just going to put guys anywhere. <laughs> put somebody out there that's nasty. You know what I'm saying? You know, Trent Scott is, a, is an aggressive player. Put him at right guard at this point. Since we don't care about where guys play in particular, just we throwing guys out there, just throw Trent Scott out there too. Let let Brady take his lumps at left tackle. Throw Trent Scott at one of these guard positions. Let's see, that, see how that goes. We tried everything else, right? I know, Kev, you can pull this up. Well, I'm talking about a Duke Miniweather, one of the O-line experts. He runs O-line masterminds camp every year, which um, professional linemen come to uh, network with each other, learn techniques, study different edge rushers, and try to advance the O-line position. You know, he, one of his guys was Brady Christensen, and he tuned in to watch Brady's first start uh, this week at right tackle and was watching Taylor Moten and was watching – Christensen and made an observation and you have his tweet uh, pulled up by any chance Let's tell everybody what he said about the Panthers shuffling around offensive linemen because one of Duke's biggest uh, criticisms has been that the even professional coaches don't know how to coach offensive linemen and they think that twitching positions and shuffling around and around is just not in their best interest you know guys are used to a certain technique playing a certain side they spend all this time perfecting it, and then coaches just try to shuffle them like musical chairs, throw them out of position, and wonder why these guys struggle and never really fulfill their full, full potential. By any chance you have that tweet pulled up, uh, Kev? Um, I'm actually looking for it. Um, I'm on his uh, Twitter page right now. So while he's looking for that, uh, Smoke, can you just explain to people why it's so hard for offensive linemen to change sides, shuffle positions, and never really find a home at any one spot? I mean, you see it all the time. I'll give you another example to look at. Take a look at the Giants' offensive line. 
Andrew Thomas. Um, we were pretty high on Will Hernandez and Billy Price a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I always saw Will Hernandez play left guard, senior bowls, whatever. He was on the left side of the line. If you watch them try out on Sundays, guess where he's at? Right guard. So he's and he's struggling. Um, I you know I was high on Andrew Thomas, and this is this speaks to what Duke is talking about. But when I watched Andrew Thomas at Georgia, he was one of the most pro ready left tackles I've seen in a long time. Like everything about his game said, I can play in the pros at a high level. Then his rookie year, you watch him come out. Everything that he was good at, he stopped doing. And then as we researched and you know, we dug a little bit deeper, we find out that the offensive line coach for the Giants was basically trying to unteach everything he had already learned from really good coaches like Coach Alexander and stuff like that. So, yeah, these off these a lot of these coaches can't coach. No disrespect to the our, our, our staff, but when I'm seeing these guys try out there every Sunday. It's just things I don't see from them that I need to see, and we don't have it. So, one for one, I don't think we're being coached right. For two, when it comes to, you know, playing the offensive line is like muscle memory. So, I think Kev brought it up early. He said that Moten's feet look bad playing at left tackle. The reason why that is is because you have an angle to take in the pass rep, and you have to get to a certain spot, and you want to get to that spot in the most efficient way you can by taking the right steps and stuff like that. You can't turn around, look at the ground, and look at your spot and say, let me walk over here. It doesn't work like that. You have to feel it. You have to memorize it and take those steps, and that's how it works. It's very hard to do that from both sides of the line. It's not impossible, but Moten practices at right tackle every week. So the move from the left tackle, he's not going to master getting to that spot in the game. Like This is something that he has to repeat over and over and over again, usually for a whole offseason. It takes a long time to get comfortable in those type of positions. And while you shuffling guys around, you got a rookie named Brady Christensen that can't get comfortable anywhere. We watched him in the preseason. Didn't we see him play left guard and right guard? He played three positions, both guards and right tackle. (laughs) And then all he ever played was left tackle at BYU, nothing else. So you got him trying to master the steps and memorize the steps for three different positions. I don't I'm not surprised that he looked bad as well. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, no, I think the thing is with pro coaches, remember what with Perry Fuel, I think one of the former players who seems to be out against him saying coaches get ahead coaching jobs and they bring their friends over and they're not really good teachers. They just know somebody in the league that Got a head coaching position. So, yeah, I do think coaching in general needs to be better, statistically at the college and professional level. So, let's, um, did you find that uh, tweet, Kev? Yeah, I got it right here. You just read that before we move on to the linebackers? Yeah, just to let you guys know if you want to follow him, if you, um, here is uh, Duke Mannyweather um, at Big Duke 50 on Twitter. Um, he says here, and I quote, uh, this was at 321 yesterday. So this was why the game was going on. Um, it says he was in Plano, Texas, but it says in Carolina moving forward, if 70, which is Christensen, and 72, which is Moten, if 70 and 72 are your offensive tackles, they need to flip Moten and Christensen. Moten had zero feel and awareness as a left tackle. He's setting as if he would at right tackle, which makes him susceptible to many things. Right. 
So basically saying the same thing we've been preaching about, you know, trying to shuffle linemen and play different positions. It's just, you know, not as easy as a lot of people make it sound. So let's move on to these Vikings linebackers. Again, you got a pair of veterans, Eric Hendricks, a guy who's been a consistent uh, performer in this league for several years. You got Anthony Barr. I mean, who knows what position he is? He's just kind of a tweener. Uh, is he a pass rusher? He's not very been very effective doing that. Is he a Sam linebacker, which they have him listed? So they don't, I mean, he's kind of a Swiss Army knife, you know, master, jack of all trades, master of none type of player. Uh, Kev, do you think you see um, areas where we can attack these Vikings linebackers? I know we've already played uh, Eric Kendricks probably uh, three or four times now since he's been in the league. Yeah, I think I, I think we definitely can attack. Um, you know, I had said that, you know, Eagles linebackers uh, this past week. And, you know, when um, Tommy Trummer got that touchdown early, I'm like, okay, yeah, tight end's about to go off, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, little to hardly any production after that. Um, so, again, you know, when I'm looking at, you know, these linebackers, I'm not seeing, you know, anything that makes me, you know, quiver at my feet and think can't take advantage of. Uh, you know, with Anthony Barr, um, you know, he's he's been there for several years, um, you know, with the uh, with the Vikings. Um, you know, I, de I definitely think he's in his post prime, but still effective uh, range. Um, you was talking about Eric Kendricks. Um, I think he's the best of the group, um, that middle linebacker. Um, Nick, Nick Virgil, is it Virgil? Nick yeah, Virgil. Virgil, yeah. Um, honestly, I'm not too familiar with him. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I'm definitely familiar with his backup, you know, somebody that, you know, we had looked at throughout the draft, uh, Chaz Surrett, linebacker out of uh, UNC. Um, of course, I was pissed when, um, <laughs> you know, he went there, you know, it seemed like the, you know, Vikings just got a couple of players that, would, um, um, that I, I wouldn't mind had been here in Carolina, but, um, you know, Chaz Surrett, I just think that he's waiting his turn and opportunity. Um, but he definitely needs to um, develop and grow as well because, you know, he switched over from playing quarterback at Carolina to linebacker and only played it two years. Played at a high level, made plays, but definitely room for improvement. But, yeah, I, I can see that, um, you know, again, if we decide to feature the tight ends this week, you know, with, you know, Ian Thomas, who's seen to be getting, you know, a lot of the reps along with Tommy Trimble, you know, we're coming out in 12 personnel, 22 um, personnel, even when we go to these jumbo packages, you know, it'd be nice to see some, you know, some play action, you know, let's, you know, let's, let's, let's test these linebackers out. Um, I just feel like we don't attack linebackers enough, particularly with that particular uh, position group. So, um, and then, like I said, if McCaffrey comes back, um, I can't see either one of them, you know, being able to check him out the backfield. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think it's, um, I definitely think it's opportunities to, again, attack a position group that's, that's respectable, but definitely um, beatable. Yeah, definitely a respectable group. I mean, Eric, Hendrick, Eric Kendricks, I mean, has, what, five consecutive 100 tackle seasons. He was a first-team All-Pro in 2019. He's very – he's improved his coverage a lot. I mean, he's, you know, passer rating when targeted is under 80 for, like, the last two, three years. So, he had three interceptions last year as well. So, I mean, it's definitely one of the more – better performing coverage linebackers over the past couple uh, couple seasons as well. So, I mean, it'll be a good challenge, but maybe, you know, I think covering Christian McCaffrey is a big ask for any linebacker. Let's just be honest there. Now let's just look at this uh, Viking secondary. We know Mike Zimmer is always big on 
DBs, when you got the Patrick Peterson, maybe future Hall of Famer right there at one cornerback position. Uh, you got Bashad Breeland, just a solid vet uh, pro at the other positions. So I think right there you got two big physical cornerbacks. You know, they play solid in the run game. Uh, Patrick Peterson can shadow your opponent's best receiver. This will be the third week in a row. We'll see DJ Moore have a challenge on his hands. You know, we saw him, you know, have a good game against Trayvon Diggs. We saw him struggle a little bit last week with uh, Darius Slay. I mean, the Eagles play a lot more zone than uh, Dallas did, though. But Slay definitely had a big game. And this week we got another veteran, Patrick Peterson. So you better believe, I mean, you know, you see Trayvon Diggs and uh, Darius Slay, I felt were both able to study Sam Darnold you know, reading his eyes, you know, he's not really looking guys off. So they were able to kind of bait him into two interceptions apiece. So I think it's back-to-back weeks. Darnold has thrown interceptions to two veteran quarterbacks, cornerbacks in consecutive weeks. So best believe Patrick Peterson, you know, he's licking his chops uh, this week, studying what Darius Slay and Trayvon Diggs were able to do these past couple of weeks to confuse Darnold and bait him into game-changing interceptions. Then you look at their safeties. I mean, Harrison Smith, I mean, he's been one of the top safeties, most consistent players, you know, in this league for several years as well. I think, you know, in 20s, I don't know if he made first team or pro or not, but I definitely think he made a couple of pro bowls. Um, he's a versatile safety. He can play in the box. He's got good range as a free safety, very physical player, uh, solid tackler. So I think he's a good guy that's going to have to be accounted for in both the run and the pass game. So overall, you know, the Vikings defense got off to a slow start this year, but I think they have played some explosive offenses like the Arizona Cardinals. But I think it'll be a good challenge for our offense this week. So we'll see how they're able to come out. So let's just kind of look at it from the global point of view. What do you think the three keys to victory for our offense this week to attack these Vikings defenses, Kev? Uh, well, this Vikings defense – you know, I, I definitely feel like the advantage is our wide receivers versus uh versus their corners. Um, but here here here's the here's the trick part about it. Um, uh, you know, if you guys uh saw it, but um, you know, it was said that, you know, by Eagles cornerbacks that, you know, Robbie Anderson was pretty much lined up in the same formation. So they're pretty much sitting on sitting on plays and it was lady found out that in, in the interview with Rule why Robbie was mad and he was uh, was upset on the sideline, which a lot of us, you know, seeing him, you know, really frustrated was the fact that we're not running double moves because it's sitting on routes. Well, you know, when your offense, it, it just ties into what we're saying. When your offensive line can only offer two seconds worth of decent protection on pass sets, uh, you know, what kind of double moves can be made to take advantage of it? Uh, so again, it all ties together. We can just get, you know, a second more blocking to allow things to happen. Um, I, I think that big plays can be made. Um, again, there's nobody in the Vikings back seven that, you know, puts fear in my heart as not being able to challenge. Um, second part is, uh, you know, we got to we gotta get back to this run game. Um, you know, whether we do it with zone, you know, which is what the principles of this, you know, Joe Brady, you know, offensive philosophy has been his zone blocking. Um, you know, obviously, since we're not, you know, power uh, man gap blocking guys, you know, let's let's try to do what 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 our players are, quote, are supposed to be best at. Um, you know, will it be easy? No, but I, I, de- I definitely think we just can't sit back and just expect Dawn to keep throwing over 30 times a game because 
as you see, what what she's susceptible to. Um, and number three, um, you know, no more turnovers. Um, you know, just point blank. You know, we we got to stop um, losing a turnover battle um, here. Okay, well, there you have it. I mean, I think definitely want to get the run game going, whether it's Christian McCaffrey or Chuba Hubbard. You know, that's one thing I liked about the Eagles game, giving Chuba those 24 carries. He was able to have his first 100-yard game as a pro. So that's something I want to do because I, I just don't think we're a team. If we have to rely on Sam Darnold to win games with us with his arm, I think we're going to see results like we did the last two weeks where he just reverts back to his old habits and we end up, you know, beating ourselves with turnovers and uh, interceptions. So, Smooth, you're back now. Do you have any other comments about the Vikings secondary before we move on? I do. Um, like I said earlier in the uh, when we started, on paper, the team looks like a really good looks like a really good defense, but there's a lot of room for opportunities for us to take advantage of. I just think that their window is closed. Um, I've been watching Patrick Peterson and and Brashad Breland take a lot of chances, what they're going to try to do against us, but they've been getting beat. And you don't you don't you don't really hear about that, but you're starting to hear it now. Patrick Peterson is not the guy he used to be. Um, Breland, who's been getting exposed as well. I think, again, it's going to come down to us giving our quarterback enough time to make those throws and get Robbie Anderson going. That's going to be the key to victory to me in protecting the football. We have to protect the football. We can't put our defense in compromising situations like we've been doing. We can't have situations where Dante Jackson goes and gets you the football twice and you do nothing with it. Like, we got to take advantage of opportunities. That's going to be the second key. And the third key is just to get back winning. You know, you don't want to get stuck in this rut where you just lose, and that's how you get losing streaks started. We got to find a way to win the, win, win the football game. It's going to be a close football game. And like I said, you got to take advantage of those opportunities. You can't keep missing opportunities. I don't want to sound like sound like Ron Rivera, but to me, that was really the, the, the problem for us this past game. We didn't take advantage of our opportunities. All right, whatever well, you have, this pretty much covers the Vikings defense. We'll take some of these. Uh, questions and comments now. Uh, first one I wanted to look at was Cam Irving is expected back on Wednesday. So, I mean, with Cam Irving coming back, I mean, let's just deal with the facts and our unfortunate circumstances we're in now. Is Cam Irving our best option at left tackle right now, do you guys think? Or, listen. I do not. I had confidence in him. Um, he showed a promise in preseason, but I think what he's shown us is what he's shown his entire career. He just can't get it done on a consistent basis for an entire season. I think that um, the wheels have come off. I think that you need to try to look at, you know, maybe moving Brady over to the left tackle and moving the right tackle so those guys are comfortable, and that's the best unit to go out there. So maybe it'll be like the situation with Elfling, you know, you get back healthy, you can't get your job back. So maybe we'll go one more week with this unit that we had. Hopefully we get a better performance than what Cam Irvin has been giving us because, I mean, I, when I graded him two weeks ago, that was the worst the worst game I've ever seen him play. So maybe he'll have a chip on his shoulder. Maybe he wants to, you know, get some type of redemption for how he's been playing lately, but I don't see it because he's, he's the same player that he's always been. The next comment, I was going to ask what the other teams do. Do they shuffle half of the group around? 
I think it depends on the team. Like you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, they only did it out of necessity and moved my lot of the right tackle. But they know Andre Dillard, you know, their prospect, he's a pure left tackle. So to accommodate him, they moved the other guy to right tackle my lot of because he's shown the ability to play both sides. But that was out of necessity. You don't really see that often from good teams like the Eagles, the Cowboys. Typically, you don't see a lot of that shuffling. On the flip side, we look at the Raiders who just fired their coach for other reasons. I mean, Alex Leatherwood's played every four positions on the line already. Now he has to step in and play, and he's basically not prepared. So I think it's different league by league, but I think it does happen. And one of y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it happens more than it should, I'll say. I don't think, you know, teams trying to shuffle offensive linemen and plug them here, plug them there like it's musical chairs. Is that you know, anything else you want to add to that, Snoop? No, you hit it on the head. Like I said, a lot of this, a lot of playing, a lot about playing the offensive line is just developing muscle memory. Guys get used to doing something well. It's not really good to change them up. You try to do it out of necessity. If somebody gets hurt, it's cool to have that versatility out of a guy where you can plug, put them and plug them anywhere. But for the most part, you want to put guys in situations where they're comfortable. And we haven't done a good job of that, to be honest with you. Kev, you have anything else to add to that comment? About what other teams do with their O-line shuffling? Nah, I mean, y'all pretty much got it covered. Um, you know, like I said, just we, we seem to be the only one. Well, I ain't going to say the only ones, but um, I just think this positionless football, particularly on on the offensive line, is um, uh, it's not it's not going too well for us. So. Okay. Thoughts on Rule putting that loss on the defense? <laughs> Yeah, I know a lot of people got upset over Matt Rule calling out the defense at his press conference. And I get where you're coming from. I kind of offer a different perspective. As a coach, you got to understand coach speak. You know, he's not going to get up and say, Sam Darnold's terrible. He has to play better. You know, our offensive line's awful. They have to play better. From a coaching perspective, when guys are struggling, you want to lift them up. So you want to tell them about the things they're doing well and try to build on those things. For guys that are high, balling, doing great, you want to bring them back down and say, you know, keep getting to try to keep them hungry, keep them active. You know, we can do better than that and keep improving week to week to week. So I think it was more a coach speak than him putting the loss and blaming the defense for it. You know, I mean, you don't want to see Dante Jackson, for example, get on super high on himself, start feeling himself and make mistakes. You want to keep these guys grounded, keep them hungry and motivate them to keep getting better and better every week and when your defense is playing as good as ours as a coach what do you do you got to nitpick a little bit and keep them hungry and say you're not as good as you think you are what are your thoughts on that uh comment smooth i agree with you for the most part i still think he was a bit drunk i mean same time you got to hold guys accountable like i mentioned earlier your defense went and got you the ball twice back-to-back drives and you did absolutely nothing with it so that that's always going to be an issue for me. I mean, I'm, I'm my personality type is I say I say it how it is. So that's not the approach I would have took with rule. I would just I don't I'm not going to ever embarrass my guys for the media. But behind closed doors, I'm asking for more accountability for my offense. In all seriousness, what's wrong with our special teams and blocking? We get a field goal blocked last week. 
and a punt block this week that had us killed. Honestly, I, I think the punt block was just a good scheme they had, and we just kind of lost a, a free rusher. Um, you know, I mean, sometimes, I mean, and that's critical. I mean, I think I saw a stat today where uh, 90% of teams that block a punt and win a, for a touchdown and block a punt and win a football game or something. So that was a game-changing play. But I don't think it was anything glaring. I just think it was um, it was just a breakdown in protection. But, I mean, hey, I mean, everybody has to get better, even Chase Blackburn. So we'll see how what adjustments they make next week. But on the good side, I mean, the kicker, what, made three field goals, made a 50-yarder. So it looks like we have some more consistency at the kicking position that we need. And this last comment, I disagree. Don't say anything. His defense gave everything they had. Yeah, but I think if you read his old quote, you know, he, he did give the defense credit. I think the clip on Twitter, they kind of cut a piece of what he said out and made it seem like he was blaming the defense. He did give them credit. They just cut out the part where he said they have to get better at this, this, and that. But he did give them credit for playing an outstanding game and, you know, did give credit to Dante Jackson and those guys as well. Okay, well, that's all the comments we have for tonight. I mean, that's an hour, 10 minutes. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. The podcast will be dropped on YouTube, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Omni, all of our platforms, probably by uh, usually on Thursday morning. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, again, appreciate everybody for your support. Uh, any final comments, Kevin Smooth? No. Um, you know, for me, just want to make sure we uh... – I always recognize our fans, you guys that tune in, support us on social media. Uh, thank you. Um, looking forward to uh, seeing us try to get the four and two on on Sunday, and and uh, you know, you know, just one week at a time. Yeah, hopefully we don't get outnumbered by Vikings fans this week. Got to get that home field advantage back. You know, it's hate week for me. My dad is a diehard Vikings fan, so he's going to be talking shit to me all week long. Um, I hate, if y'all know, I hate the NFC East. I expect to beat them, and if you take a look at it, we've lost to the Cowboys, and we've lost to the Eagles. A lot of my friends from back home have been giving me hell for that. I don't want to have to take it from my pops either. So this is like a must-win situation for me. Other than that, man, just keep pounding. There you go. And it's a, what, 1 p.m. kickoff, uh, Kev? Yep, one pin kickoff. I mean, unless we get Fletch for some reason, um, if I'm not mistaken, most of our games are are uh, going to be one o'clock for the rest of the season. All right. Well, again, thank you everybody for tuning in tonight. Be on the lookout for when the podcast version drops on Thursday. Um, be there on. Hopefully, if we can make it to the game Sunday, show up, show the team some support. See if we can bounce back from this two-game losing streak. Until then, keep pounding. We'll see you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.